Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Commit turnovers? Check. Can't force turnovers? Check. Can't block the other team? Check. Stanford checked up a lot of boxes on Saturday night up in Seattle, but uh, whatever the boxes that you check when you want to lose games, Checkmate for the Huskies as UW beat Stanford on Saturday night up in Seattle. And that's what we are here to break down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us on Sunday, September 25th, 2022. Hi, I'm Troy Clarity. Hope you're having a great day despite Saturday night's result. And we're going to sort through it, as only we can here on the TreeCast. You'll hear post-game thoughts from head coach David Shaw, linebacker Jacob mangum Ferrar, and wide receiver Michael Wilson. We'll get inside their thoughts a little bit and try to figure out things going forward. But for the most part, the song remains the same when it comes to Stanford and this result against Washington, in which the Huskies beat Stanford 40-22. to who am I? I'm Troy Clarity. Great to have you with us. Uh, ninth year of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. 30th year of following Stanford football. And in my first year of uh, national radio college football play-by-play for the Compass Media Networks. Looking forward to diving into that later on in the season. You can follow me at Troy Clarity. Last time is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And subscribe to the show. Rate and review the show. Always appreciate those. And, uh, you know, you can always subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and iHeart, and TuneIn, and Alexa, and anywhere you listen to the good podcasts, that's where you'll find the TreeCast. Hopefully, this is one of your favorites, even though we're not going to be talking about a lot of great things, a couple of things here and there, but but by and large a result that we've kind of seen a little bit before, at least so far in the early going of the 2022 season. Against Washington, the Huskies' first two drives resulted in points. Stanford's first two drives ended with a three and out in the turnover. Casey Philkins bobbling a low ball, UW intercepted, and that ended the 14-play, 59-yard drive. Midway through the second quarter after UW punted for the first time and Stanford had a little bit of momentum, Tanner McKee got sacked and fumbled. Two plays later, UW scored to make it 17-7. That was the score at the half. Pinpoint touchdown pass from Michael Penix Jr. made it 27-7 midway through the third quarter. Ended the competitive phase of the game. Stanford had some flashes of brilliance in the passing game in the fourth quarter, but by then it was too late. UW with the 40-22 win. After the game, I asked Stanford inside linebacker Jacob mangum Farrar what his frustration level was. Very frustrated. Um... We have guys, you know, scratching and clawing to win, um, playing the full game to the best of their ability, running the ball, high effort, you know, and it just sucks when you don't get the result that um, you worked so hard all week to get. Can't blame them. Can't blame them. We'll get you three things you need to know from this game and plus a deeper dive on a couple of things uh, that that really stood out to me as a result of that uh, outcome. We'll do all that in just a moment or so. But first, this reminder that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. 
BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, three things you need to know from Stanford versus Washington, and of course, as always, we begin with number one. And before the team left for Seattle on Friday, David Shaw announced that starting right tackle Miles Hinton would miss the game with an unspecified injury. That, of course... Got my eyebrows raised. Junior Connor McLaughlin was behind hitting at right tackle on the depth chart, but Barrett Miller got the start there. Makes sense. Miller listed as backup left tackle, but since Barrett has 26 career starts and McLaughlin has none, made sense to give Miller the nod. But midway through the first quarter, Stanford starting left tackle Walter Rouse left the game with an injury. So that moved Miller from right tackle to left tackle and it put McLaughlin at right tackle. That's the alignment that Stanford played much of the rest of the first half with, with its backup offensive tackles. David Shaw knows that's not an ideal situation. Uh, we had an issue with uh, with Wakana. You know, it's kind of the wrong place in the wrong game against the wrong team to not have your, your starting tackles out there. You know, we missed Miles during the game, and then um, you know, Walter Rouse had to go out for a little bit and came back and wasn't 100%, but battled through it. Um, difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, Walter Rouse returned for the second half, but but Stanford's situation on the offensive line affected everything during the competitive phase of that game. More on that later. Let's move on to number two. Two individual performances for Stanford that do deserve a spotlight. Casey Filkins replacing EJ Smith, who was injured for this one. Might get him back for Oregon. We don't know yet. Hope to know more on that uh, before the end of the week. But Filkins stepping in as Stanford's feature back and performed very well. Tough running, shifty running, picking up yardage, uh, making catches uh, and moving the chains uh, on the ground and through the air as well. Really impressed by what Casey Filkins brought uh, to the uh, Stanford offense uh, throughout the course of that game. Of course, there was one play that he loved to have back, the catch that he probably should have been able to hang on to that resulted in UW's first interception of the game. But overall, good stuff. David Shaw and Casey Pilkins' performance. I think what you're seeing from Casey Pilkins right now is not what you're going to see four or five games from now. Um, he's a very, very talented young man. He's got a lot of quickness. Um, he's more powerful than he looks. He's kind of a, you know, not the biggest guy, but he runs with power and strength and, and toughness. He's got great vision, great feel. Um, catches the ball well out of the backfield. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the ball security is still huge. I mean, he's got great hands, but, you know, we gifted one. Um, we're in scoring position. We gifted one right back to the defense where we could have made it a really tight game at the time. Um, so young player, talented player, um, excited about a lot of things he showed tonight, um, but there's going to be uh, a big growth. That's David Shaw. And yes, hopefully that does uh, cont- that trend does continue for Casey Filkins going forward, no matter whether he's the feature back or not. Wide receiver Michael Wilson also did quite well as he made two touchdown grabs. I asked Wilson to take us through his 78-yarder in the fourth quarter. We're, I'm in the boundary, and uh, Sam ran a corner, and I have a, a essentially like a jerk route where I run like a hitch, patient, and then take off uh, in a diac 45-degree angle. And it just Sam did a really good job of holding the safety's eyes and running the corner as a decoy kind of, and I just broke right across his, across his jet stream 
caught the ball and I just saw a home of green grass and uh, man, I just ran and I just just figured out a way to get to the end zone. Yeah, that was nice to see with Wilson coming back to the field in which he got hurt back in December of 2020, broke his foot and cost him the next 11 months. So Wilson able to return to the to the scene of his injury and, and have a fine uh, individual game, I'm sure, uh, helped him make him feel just a little bit better about things. But knowing the competitor that he is, um, I'm also sure that he was stewing on the plane heading back uh, from Seattle. We'll give you exact numbers on Casey Philkins and Michael Wilson and their respective days in a moment. But first, let's wrap it up with number three. If 40 to 22 doesn't look great on the scoreboard, especially when your team has the 22, but it quite honestly actually could have looked a lot worse. Stanford defensively hung in there at times and forced the Huskies to kick field goals instead of going in and getting six every timeout. Stanford linebacker Jacob Mangum Ferrar on how Stanford was able to keep forcing the Huskies to kick field goals. I would say just just playing aggressive, you know, trying to win our one-on-one battles. Um, we had a lot of situations where uh, they would try to pick somebody out and um, just get a one-on-one matchup, and I think our guys really took that, you know, took that to heart and did their best to win their their battle. Yeah, Jacob Megan Farrar with one of those individual battles won as he had a nice moment in coverage and it always kind of raises my eyebrows whenever I see Stanford linebackers um, in coverage. But JMF did well in, in that respect, in that category and in that department uh, against uh, the Huskies on Saturday. Uh, Jonathan McGill with a couple of nice moments. Jackson Moy with the pressure moment. Um, in the second quarter, Ricky Miazon with some big hits um, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, um, much like with Casey Filkins and Michael Wilson on the offensive side of the ball, there were some individual moments of brilliance on the defensive side of the ball for Stanford against the Huskies. So nice individual moments, but as a team, not enough. Nowhere near on either side of the ball. Those are three things. We mentioned Ricky Miezon. He was actually injured late in the game and was helped off by his teammates. After the game, I asked David Shaw if there was any initial word on Miezon and also if there was any timetable for Miles Hinton's return. Shaw's direct response, and I quote, no and no. So if he doesn't volunteer that information on Tuesday during his weekly press conference, um, I'll, I'll ask Shaw again and see what uh, what new information can uh, potentially be unearthed uh, on both of those young men. Numbers to know. Stanford lost three turnovers and gained none. That's a minus 10 turnover margin for the season. It's also Stanford's 10th straight game with multiple turnovers. Just to kind of put this in perspective a little bit, USC's turnover margin is plus 14. Plus 14. They got four more against uh, Oregon State on Saturday night. Boy, what, what a game that was in Corvallis. They haven't turned it over once this season. Not one time. Think that's had an impact on their games? McKee, 17 of 26, 286 yards, three touchdowns in the pick. Sacked eight times, lost two fumbles. Casey Filkins, 20 carries for 100 yards. He also added a 29 yards receiving. Michael Wilson, big-time numbers for him. Six catches, 176 yards, including uh, that 78-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Two scores overall for Wilson as uh, John Humphreys uh, caught the other touchdown pass from Tanner McKee, who, who, when he had time, 
unleashed some terrific throws. There was a 37-yard zipper from Makita Wilson that preceded Wilson's first touchdown catch in the second quarter that just made my jaw drop. I was I was sitting on my couch in my living room, and I think I made noises. Oh, are you kidding me? That was a terrific throw, just a laser right on the money to the sideline. Wilson going right down and hit him in stride for a 37-yard pickup. Stanford defense, meanwhile, credited with four tackles for loss, most of them coming in the fourth quarter when the game was well-decided, and no quarterback hurries at all. In fact, I think Michael Penix got touched only twice uh, throughout the course of the evening's festivities. A few observations that we'll do a deeper dive into right here and now, and the first thing I want to get into is just one of the things that that, that struck me, and it's, it's something that we've seen over the past few years at times, even sometimes when Stanford was going to bowls on a regular basis, we'll see how this season turns out, but there's a lot that needs to be turned around and not a whole lot of time to do it in. But it struck me again just how hard it was and how much energy Stanford had to expend just to get into scoring position. And on the flip side, how easy it was for Washington to not just get in the scoring position, but to score. And that trend really, I think, established itself early on. Look at Washington's opening drive after Stanford went three and out. Stanford's opening drive, they zipped 58 yards on six plays. Michael Penix untouched. Washington takes a 7-0 lead. Stanford responds with a 14-play drive in which McKee got sacked three times. Stanford had to convert third and 10, third and 12, third and two, and have Washington get called off sides on a failed sneak attempt on fourth and one that allowed Stanford to move the chains. Cardinal had to survive all of that. And after all that, Philkins couldn't bring in a low ball. Popped right back up to a UW defender for the interception. So instead of Stanford driving in for what could have been a game-tying score and making it 7-7, interception after a 14-play 59-yard drive, which is hard to do, and Washington's heading back the other way, and they took that pick and they turned it into a 10-0 lead. And that's, that's how it looked for much of the rest of the way, at least through the competitive phase of the game, even when Stanford was having more success moving the ball. McKee was having to thread needles. Meanwhile, Michael Penix Jr. was finding guys wide open, especially underneath. A lot of soft, soft coverage. Casey Filkins fighting, clawing for every single yard. Washington running backs not getting touched until they got five yards downfield. It was way too easy for Washington to get in position to score and convert opportunities into points. And it was way too difficult for Stanford to just even have the opportunity to score, much less convert those into points of their own. It just struck me all over again, just that that, that dynamic while watching that game on my couch on Saturday night. Going back to... One of the big offensive concepts, the RPO uh, and the style of RPO that Stanford unveiled against USC a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, particularly the slow mesh where Tanner McKee takes the snap. He and the running back converge. McKee holds, holds. In the meantime, he's reading the defense, seeing if the defense is committing to the run. And if they are, he'll pull it back quickly and fire a pass downfield. Or if they're kind of hesitating a bit or playing the pass and laying off and then McKee will complete the handoff and the running back will, will, will dart down the field. Slow mesh, successful against USC. A big reason why Stanford was able to rack up 221 yards rushing against the Trojans, a number that, that, that Stanford hadn't really touched in four years. Slow mesh, successful against USC. Against UW, not so much. Not so much. At least not till the fourth quarter anyway. But by then, the game was out of hand. Second play of the game, Tanner McKee tried the slow mesh, but he had no options. He was reading, and and by the time he probably tried to make a decision, he had to eat the ball for no game. And we saw that pattern develop time and time and time and time again in the first half whenever Stanford tried the slow mesh. Usually those plays ended with Tanner McKee on his back with the ball and the Cardinal moving backwards. After the game, I asked David Shaw whether the slow mesh's lack of effectiveness this time around against UW was because McKee didn't have enough time due to the Husky pass rush or because he didn't have anyone to throw to downfield. Here's David Shaw's response to that. We were hit and miss. Um, Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. Some of our inside zones were good. Some of our gap schemes were bad. And that's what we talked about as a staff and with our players going into this. Um, against a defense that is very, very active. There's a lot of movement, and they are going to uh, make it difficult. So when they stunt, they might stunt right into a play and get a TFL. They might stunt right out of the play, and we get a 10-yard run. Um, you know, there are a couple opportunities where, you know, they mix, mixed up how they were, uh, you know, kind of disguised things for the quarterbacks. So we held the ball a couple times. You know, they made him guess, and we guessed wrong. Um, later in the game, we made the adjustment, and it wasn't an issue. So that's kind of what you felt early on is, um, you know, they did a couple things and we made a couple of adjustments and, um, you know, worked better later. So that's that's going to be with everything that we do. Uh, people are going to try to stop some things that we're doing. And when they do, then we'll have to go to our our answers. And um, the answers I thought were, were pretty good, but the staff did a good job. Um, we never know how people are going to tweak things to to attack us. And, um, you know, we made those adjustments, but. You know, bottom line, that, that wasn't as much of an issue as individual matchups. You know, um, certain guys, you know, at the wrong time, their guy beat our guy. Yep, and Washington's guys beat Stanford guys at the line. And that affected everything. That affected everything, especially once Walter Rouse went out and did not play a quarter and a half. Again, he did return and play the second half. You heard David Shaw say earlier that he wasn't 100%, but... But, but Rouse did return in the second half. But during, during that period in time, midway through the first quarter, through the entirety of the second quarter, Stanford's offensive line shuffle just did not allow it the chance to perform at its peak offensively. And that affected everything. Stanford's wide receivers targeted just once in the first quarter. Just once. And that's because McKee only threw four passes. And that's because McKee got sacked four times in that first quarter alone. 
Stanford struggles in blocking Washington. And look, Washington, they're a tough defense, and they seem to guess right on a lot of occasions. So, you know, tip, tip of the cap in, in that respect. I, I feel the need to, to remind folks sometimes that the other team is trying to win too. But because Stanford couldn't block anybody with any degree of real consistency, that affects your play calling. How much more quickly does Tanner McKee have to get, get the ball out now? Does he even have the chance? It got better as the game went along, but not during the first half. Not during the first half. That was tough to watch, and it was tough to see the slow mesh get taken away from Stanford in that first half. Speaking of the wide receivers, and we go back to the preview episode um, of the of the tree cast when we were talking about breaking down the matchup between Stanford and Washington, and we had Pac-12 Network's analyst Max Brown on the show, and he said, look, I like this matchup. Washington has a dinged-up secondary. Stanford is one of the best receiving cores on paper in the entire conference. And Max Brown loved that matchup, but we never really saw it materialize necessarily until starting late in the second quarter. And throughout much of the second half, we didn't see that materialize because McKee couldn't get the ball off. That being said, once we saw those things develop, Stanford did win its share of battles. Mike Wilson in particular. After the game, Mike Wilson, whom you might remember, and I played the soundbite for you on the TreeCast last week, said, look, against USC, we didn't do anywhere near a good enough job of winning our individual battles and getting open and fighting for our quarterback. After the Washington game, I asked Mike Wilson whether Stanford's receivers did a better job of winning its battles against the Huskies this time around. I think we did a really good job, and I know, you know, Washington secondary is, is always good, so um, that gives me confidence. That should give the coaching staff confidence. If we can win against these guys, we can win against anyone. Um, I think the one time we might have had incompletion was maybe the fade that Tanner threw to John, and everything else after that was pretty much automatic. So I think we did really, really well, and I'm really, really confident um, and happy with how the receivers performed individually. There's going to be some things on tape that we probably need to clean up and Obviously, no game is perfect, and we're always trying to chase perfection. But um, just based off my memory of the game, I feel like we, we did really, really well when we were given the opportunity. Yeah, and I, I pay attention to that last point from Mike Wilson. They rarely had that opportunity because Tanner McKee couldn't get a pass off because he was getting swallowed up from a UW pass rush that was taking advantage of an overwhelmed Stanford offensive line. Let me flip it over to the defense. In a lot of ways, that 40-22 to 22 final score is a bit deceptive. And not deceptive in the way that I'd rather be discussing because UW, they, they could have won that game by a lot more. They could have won that game by a lot more. Part of that is due to a Stanford defense that, yep, struggled overall in the grand scheme of things. Yep, not, not, not another banner night for the Stanford defense. Still looking for one of those. But in some spots, as we mentioned earlier, and in some individual portions, played fine. Now, that's not easy against an offense that likes to throw the kitchen sink at you. Shaw sums up the night for the defense. They are a game plan offense. Um, they're going to have stuff schemed up for you. You're going to see 
pretty much every kind of offense there is fly sweeps, reverses, reverse passes, um, receiver screens, um, throwback screens. Um, we just we knew that going in. Um, so it's about playing your rules, playing sound, playing smart. Um, you know, some of the things that they ran worked, some of the things that they, they ran didn't work. Um, but they were able to stay efficient. Quarterback played extremely well, made some big time throws. Um, we had a couple opportunities um, to get after the ball, and we didn't. We talked about it. There's going to be a couple opportunities um, where our guys are are close and get a chance to get a hand on the ball, whether it's deflecting a pass um, or or intercepting it from a receiver, and um, just didn't get those turnovers, didn't make those plays. Yeah, some of it worked, some of it didn't. We saw just about everything, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. UW was was throwing the throwing everything it could at Stanford. At points, what was that? The uh, uh, there was a double reverse pitch back that ended up being a screen, only picked up seven yards, but at the very least, it still gives the defense something to think about. And defenses would rather not think, they'd rather react and fly to the football and make big plays that way. But overall, you know, some things worked, some things didn't, and at times, Stanford defense stiffened and forced Washington to kick field goals, four of them as a matter of fact. So Stanford was able to make some plays defensively. But UW still scored on 8 of 12 possessions. And there were still a lot of opportunities missed. And Salim Turner-Muhammad, poor kid, fell down, and that ended up being a resulting in a 61-yard gain for Washington in the fourth quarter, leading to another touchdown later on down the road. Jonathan McGill, great coverage on on, on Rome Odunze, but that pinpoint throw by Michael Penix Jr. into the end zone. Touchdown, 27-7, and and the Huskies are are cruising to victory from there. Stanford's defense still isn't making enough game-changing plays. Heck, you could argue that it's not making any game-changing plays. There were some individual moments, and there were some, you know, and then that game could have looked much different on the scoreboard if not for some some timely efforts by the Stanford defense when the Huskies got in a scoring position. But overall, by and large, nothing will improve. Stanford will not be in true position to be winning games and closing opponents out. Nothing will improve until the turnover margin does. Minus 10 on the season. Minus 10. 11 turnovers for Stanford in three games. That's tough enough. But only one turnover gained in concert with that? That makes it even more crucial. Stanford offense keeps turning the ball over in absolutely killer spots every time. First two and a half quarters that it seemed like Stanford had a bit of a door opening that they might be able to walk through. Nope. Sack fumble. Thanks for coming. Good night. And the Stanford defense isn't forcing any turnovers at all. That's an unsustainable way to live. You cannot compete in the Pac-12, certainly, if, if, as long as that's the case. And especially when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, David Shaw says that fixing that problem is priority A1. It wasn't just Washington who played really well. I mean, it was us. Uh, offensively, we got to stop turning the ball over. 
You know, we're going to do whatever we can to stop that because I think we've proven it now. If, if we don't turn the ball over and we don't have the catastrophic mistakes, we can march down the field and be effective and score points. Um, so that's top of my list right now, cutting down on our offensive mistakes. Yeah, catastrophic offensive mistakes, not helpful, but make no mistake. I, I think the defense has to be thrown in there, too, because they are not forcing the turnovers. They are not making the plays. Boy, what I wouldn't give for, for, a, for a fumble recovery or a big pick that, that gives Stanford a short field and a chance to get points in that fashion. And, you know, I said it, I said it half on Twitter. Stanford's going to need to steal a possession at some point. What's the best way to steal possessions? Turnovers. But, yeah, you know, Shaw's an offensive-minded guy, and I understand that. But I, I, I really think that the that that defensively things have to really, really turn around in the turnover-making category there. But no, make no mistake about it, offensively they 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 certainly share their portion of 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 this as well. I mean, Stanford forces a punt in the second quarter, the first one of the night. You start to think, okay, all right, finally, let's 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 see if Stanford can settle down and get into this. Oh, sack fumble, very next play. Stanford with a chance to maybe get within ten points early in the fourth quarter. Oh, sack fumble. So any momentum that Stanford had in each of those respective situations was toast. Was toast. So here we go again. A frustrating result. And another game after which players like Michael Wilson are saying stuff like this. We just couldn't find a rhythm, and we'll figure out why on the tape. But obviously a lot of that was was at a fault due to turnovers and, and that sort of thing. So um, we just got to figure out a way to be more consistent. And it just comes down to our preparation. Whatever we're doing right now isn't working. We got to just double down and keep working harder. And another post game in which David Shaw is saying stuff like this. There's a lot there for us. There's a lot there for us. Um, and we're going to find a way to get it out of our team. You know, that's, that's, that's top of my list right now. We've got players, love our schemes, a lot of things that we're doing, um, but we're not giving ourselves a chance. We have to give ourselves a chance to be in these games in the fourth quarter, and we'll find a way to win. But right now we're not giving ourselves a chance, and um, uh, that's, what, that's what has to change. Yeah, I mean, I like the offensive players and the, and, and the schemes too, but, man, there's just so much pressure on the offense to play near-perfect football because the defense – hasn't shown that it can force punts or nab turnovers at all this year. Certainly not against FBS competition. How sustainable is that for Stanford's competitive hopes in 2022? I don't know. I don't know. But the entire season right now hinges on the turnover margin category for Stanford right now. Can the defense get some? And can the offense keep it and prevent them? I haven't seen either of those things at this point this year. Boy, it'll be nice to go up to Eugene and get some pressure on Bo Nix. Hit him around a little bit. Oh, oh, wait. Oregon's offensive line hasn't given up a sack this year? Oh. Oh, and they played Georgia in week one? <laughs> that might have been the only positive that, that that Oregon came away with from that game. Hey, gave up 49 points to one of the great all-time teams, but didn't give up any sacks. 
A lot on the line for Stanford this week. Of course, we'll get deeper into that in the next episode of the TreeCast as the Cardinal head up to Oregon. But right now, as I, as I sit here, middle of the day on Sunday, I'm telling you right now, unless Stanford can turn it around in the turnover margin, this season is going to spin wildly out of control, perhaps. That's got to get cleaned up, and that's got to get turned around. Has to. There is no other option. As always, I welcome your thoughts on Stanford football, on the show, on whatever you've got. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to send me your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And we will talk to you next time. Should be coming your way on Thursday morning. We will preview Stanford versus Oregon. Hey, funny things tend to happen when the Cardinals meet the Ducks. <laughs> and a lot of those funny things tend to happen in the Cardinals' favor. Who knows how this one will go? An 8 p.m. kickoff, so another Saturday night meeting for the Stanford Cardinal as they'll head up to Eugene to face the Ducks and try to get a win to even their record to 2-2 two and two, and to get back on track as the calendar turns to October. You heard post-game thoughts from Stanford head coach David Shaw, wide receiver Michael Wilson, and linebacker Jacob mangum Farrar. Special thanks, as always, goes out to you, most of all, for checking us out on the show and for being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. Talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 